You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I am very excited to announce that I have two nicknames. Um, Rico Gafford, who seems to be cornerback, I guess, four at the moment. I'm sure most people are going to go with Uncle Rico. That's kind of the low-hanging fruit. I'm, I'm going to dig a little bit and go with Rico Suave. Much better nickname than Uncle Rico. He's not an uncle, but he is suave. Also, if you listen to uh, Packernet After Dark, you know that Romeo Dobbs, um, I mean, he'll, he'll still be Dobbs, you know, or Romeo or whatever. But as far as nicknames go, Black Lightning. Considering Jordy wore 87 and he was White Lightning, Dobbs is now Black Lightning. So, racking up the nicknames, just got to start cranking out some t-shirts and we're good to go. Rico. Anyways, there was a training camp yesterday, but it was another basically just a walkthrough. Um, sounds like things got a little intense for Packers family night. Matt LaFleur talked about that a little bit. You know, guys are starting to get a little tight, get a little hurt. Darnell Savage had his hamstring injury and whatnot. Other guys were starting to have issues. Um, he had mentioned maybe special teams was a little bit more intense than it should have been or whatever, but Bottom line is they decided to cut it short, and I think after giving them a day off, they're also going to kind of take it easy today. So it's kind of a kind of day and a half off, I guess, before kind of hitting it today for training camp. Still, a little bit of notes that we can go through, so I want to do all that stuff. Um, I didn't get a ton of interesting notes from around the NFL. I'm sure there are some. I'm just kind of, again, just getting a little exhausted with going through every single tweet to try to find that one nugget that might be kind of interesting. So I'm, I'm... I'm skimming, and that's <laughs> a hard way to find information. But Mike Evans is apparently hurt right now. That is pretty big information. Um, don't think it's massively serious, but it is still important. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers obviously are public enemy number one if you're a Packers fan. Via ESPN's Jenna Lane reports that the hamstring injury Mike Evans suffered on Friday is minor, with head coach Todd Bowles describing his status as day-to-day. They don't believe it's going to be an issue for week one. It's a positive development after Evans left Friday's practice with a hamstring strain, although hamstring injuries are notoriously tricky, which is something to keep in mind 
with Darnell Savage. That's what I've said before, where they're like, oh, yeah, he's, he'll be all right. It's just a minor thing. And then three weeks later, it's like, oh, yeah, he's he's still close, but, you know, still in pain. Um, although they're notoriously tricky, Evans has plenty of time to get it right and plenty of chemistry already established with Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. The bigger factor for Evans' fantasy value is the return of Chris Godwin, who was participating in position drills on Saturday. Godwin may still miss a few weeks to begin the season, but Evans could have trouble delivering on his second round of it. The, the fantasy part doesn't matter to me, but Godwin and Evans' status does matter because we play them very early in the season. It's week three. So, you know, Evans should be okay week one. Mm, if he isn't, <laughs> and Godwin is another one saying he may miss a few weeks to start the season. Well, how many is a few? Because that's important information. Also, Mr. Kiko Alonso has decided to retire from the New Orleans Saints, so you don't have to worry about that guy, if you ever did. I'm not sure. Doesn't matter. He's gone now. As for the NFC North, Lions uh, mostly positive. A lot of positive things about, for example, DJ Chark. They've already got a couple receivers that they like, but news about DJ Chark is continuing to grow. Quote, last season, Jared Goff had established solid chemistry with Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds, and for the most part, they were picked up. They picked up right where they left off, if not improved, when training camp started. So it's probably not surprising that one of the most popular questions asked amongst Lions fans is, how's Jared Goff's chemistry with DJ Chark? Well, if the last three practices are any indication, they're already in mid-season form. After Goff connected with Chark on a highlight reel reception in back-to-back practices, the duo saved their best performance for Saturday, connecting on three above-average plays, that's certainly an endorsement, including two very difficult catches where Chark laid out for the grab and two touchdowns. The Lions posted all three receptions on their Instagram page. On the negative side of things is Jeff Okuda. This from that same article. One of the most notable things during Saturday's scrimmage was the absence of corner Jeff Okuda. Recovering from Achilles surgery this past season, Okuda had worked hard to regain his health and quickly found himself back in the mix for a starting role. On Friday, on Friday, Akuda was not part of the majority of practice, which wasn't overly unusual as many veterans rested with their scrimmage on the docket. But on Saturday, not only was he not participating, but Akuda was completely absent from the event itself. It's too early to jump to assumptions on why he missed the scrimmage, but that will surely be one of the first questions Campbell's, Campbell gets asked on Monday. So, still really, really pretty terrible news about Jeff Akuda for Lions fans, one of the most promising cornerback prospects to come out as a rookie, absolutely gets embarrassed, is horrible, all that stuff. The very next year he comes back, he's injured for the entire year. This year he comes back, he cannot establish himself as the number two cornerback behind Amani Arawarie, who is a mediocre at best cornerback, and he is competing with a safety, and now it seems as though he may be battling some kind of an injury. Brutal. Speaking of, Chicago Bears found out recently that uh, the injury for Nikhil Harry, his ankle injury, seems to be significant. Bears wide receiver Nikhil Harry suffered an ankle injury that appears severe, but is awaiting further evaluation and hoping for the best, per source. Got hurt Saturday, traded from New England, Harry was working on a fresh start in Chicago. Now, it's unclear whether or not this guy was going to make the roster anyways. There's like seven veteran subpar wide receivers battling for a couple spots on the roster. But um, there had been some positive developments about Nikhil in terms of how he's doing in camp and all that, and sounds like that's all going to come crush, crushing to an end here. On top of that, Byron Pringle. Bears head coach Matt Eberflus told reporters that wide receiver Byron Pringle has a quad injury with no timetable for return. 
Pringle is a shockingly important piece for the Bears team that did very little to replace Allen Robinson in free agency. After Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, Pringle doesn't face a ton of competition for targets outside of third-round rookie Valus Jones. If Pringle misses extended time, that's Pringle, not Pringle, it should allow the Bears to get a better look at Nikhil Harry. Hilarious. (laughs) Obviously, this note came before the Nikhil Harry note who they recently acquired from the Patriots. Although Harry has suffered an undeclosed injury on Saturday, Equinemius St. Brown is likely the next man up. So to be clear, Darnell Mooney is the man. After that is Pringle, who they like a lot. Pringle is hurt. Don't know when he's coming back. After that is Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry is hurt. Sounds like he's not going to be back for a while. After that is Equinemius St. Brown, meaning as of right now, potentially, the number two wide receiver behind Darnell Mooney is Equinemius St. Brown. And Cole Komet at tight end, who I don't think has caught a single touchdown pass in his career as a Chicago Bear. All the while, linebacker Roquan Smith is still holding in, if you will, holding out while still being in camp. Lucas Patrick, the center from Green Bay, who is a promising and hopeful piece for the Chicago Bears in terms of turning their offensive line around, is still out with a finger injury. And cornerback Thomas Graham, their starting, I believe, slot corner is also out with an injury. As for Tevin Jenkins, he finally came back after about seven absences. Uh, this note on Tevin Jenkins says, Before stretching, Tevin Jenkins lined up with the third team at right guard. In team, he was at right tackle with the third unit. He made a nice block on the edge versus the DB. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a positive note here, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to it, but man... That's freaking hilarious. We're highlighting how good his block looked while playing the third team defense against a defensive back. So your third string safety tried to make a move and Tevin didn't let him? Whoa. (laughs) Dang, son. Anyways, finally it says, he was also at right tackle with this group, Borum, Mustafer, Kramer, Schofield. Fields was the quarterback. Presumably, that would be the first team. But anyways, Bears fans are all jacked up about it. Tevin's back. They're even saying, oh man, maybe Riley Reef is going to end up being uh, cut from the team or possibly just keep him as a backup because we got so many options now. We got this fifth round guy that uh, our, our GM gave a fist bump to, so you know he's going to be real good. And we got Borum, who I think is a fifth or sixth round guy. You know he's going to be real good. And now Tevin Jenkins is back, you know, blocking DBs on the third team. I don't even think we need Riley Be- Riley Reef. so... The uh, Bears fans are back in back in shape. They're they're back to being excited now. <laughs> Silliness. This is the final note. It's the note that I was referring to, by the way. It says, also, I'm basically assuming at this point Braxton Jones will be the starting left tackle. This is the rookie fifth-round pick. Let's see how he does in preseason, but Bears are very high on him, and given the fact that he's uh, getting basically every first-team snap, which is an indictment on all your players... And then somebody quote tweeted that and said, I saw Ryan Poles dap up left tackle back Braxton Jones at one point during practice today. You guys can interpret that however you'd like. Boy, oh boy, things are coming together, aren't they? Gee willikers. NFC North runs through Chicago, sounds like to me. I don't know about you guys. Closely followed by uh, diving catch DJ Chark over there in Detroit. I'm sorry, I shouldn't bring Detroit into this. I don't think they're getting too cocky. They're allowed to celebrate DJ Chark. But Tevin? No. No, you don't celebrate your second-round pick that you traded up for that can't even crack the second team at tackle or guard. Sorry, that doesn't work. Anyways, why don't we get to the training camp notes? First of all, looking at the injury notes, and there were 
several of them, not several injuries, several injury notes. Um, Matt LaFleur said there's no long-term fear for Darnell Savage. Again, I hate when they say that because I don't know what that means. As in like beyond this year, as in we don't think he'll be a problem for week one, as in he'll be back tomorrow. What does that mean? What is long-term to you? Um, Randy Ramsey's back. Some concern about him. He just got back and then he got injured again. I think on family night, I can't exactly remember, but he was back already today. So that's great to see. Keyshawn Nixon is back. That was a uh, the guy who's going to be battling at the cornerback spot, also considered to be a prime candidate for a special teamer. There's already a lot of those guys that are battling for those special team slots, but it'll be fun to see kind of how they use him and, and what kind of stuff he can do out there. Randall Cobb was taking a veteran rest day for the day. Um, Ennis Gaines out with a hamstring injury. Wide receiver Malik Taylor, who's been sidelined due to a shoulder injury, is back at practice, uh, although he is in a red no-contact jersey. Running back Patrick Taylor was also back, which is exciting because I'm I'm still in a small way pulling for the guy. I've always liked him. I think he's a good running back. I do like that, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur kind of highlighted him when asked about the running backs, Tyler Goodson, B.J. Baylor, and whatnot. He's like, yeah, we're, well, we're getting Tyler back, so I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do. So it still feels like which shouldn't be surprising. It still kind of feels like the Packers are leaning toward Kylan Hill and Patrick Taylor to be that number three. But again, the issue being Kylan's been out this whole time. Patrick Taylor has been out most of the time, and when he's been in there, hasn't been very impactful. So I still think, you know, if, I, if, I, if you were to ask me, let's just remove Kylan Hill from the equation temporarily. Patrick Taylor or... Goodson or Baylor as the other option. One of those two or Patrick Taylor, I'm at like 51% Patrick Taylor wins it. But I'm losing confidence rapidly. So Taylor needs to get back, needs to be healthy, needs to start making some plays in training camp. That's kind of true of uh, Malik Taylor also, the other Taylor. Malik Taylor's another guy just like Juwan Winfrey that I know the Packers like, and I, I, I have them, had them basically 1A and 1B, you know, not 1, you know, 7A and 7B, I guess, at wide receiver. And the only reason Winfrey was put ahead of Malik Taylor is just because he's been out there making plays while Taylor has been sideline injured. But um, he's got a little making up to do. But I think there's plenty of time, especially with the preseason. Matt LaFleur, whenever he was asked about a competition, he acknowledged the competition, but then said it's really going to come down to preseason. That's really what we want to be able to see to help us make our evaluation. So Malik Taylor's got this week to get right, get get healthy, and um, prove that he's a better wide receiver out there on the field. And, and he may end up either maintaining or, or surpassing Winfrey, depending on how they had him stacked up prior to prior to camp. Um, and then, then potentially the biggest news of all this, Christian Watson and Mason Crosby working with the rehab group for the first time today. Hopefully that's a good sign, it says. So it's clearly progress. Um, I don't know the procedures and the protocols and at what point you do that and, and whatever, but I'm of the impression that Christian Watson wasn't far off anyways. So for him to kind of take a step, as in getting closer to, I'm, I'm, I'm fingers crossed that he plays this preseason game. If he doesn't, then I'm relatively hopeful that he comes back next week to start practicing for the next week's preseason game, would, would also kind of make sense. Let's, rather than his first time kind of taking the field with the team being on a preseason game, let's, let's hold him out and then bring him back the following week, get him prepared for the, for the game, and then get him out. We'll see. And, and maybe he's further out than that. But um, again, that's just my thought process is if, if he was close to begin with, and now we're, we're kind of getting to that next stage of, okay, he's ready to start, you know, whatever. 
going into the next phase. I, I have to assume he's getting pretty close. And and true of Mason, too, who does need to get back. I, again, I don't think Burkick has done anything to win the job, but Mason still has to come back and, and be able to, to kick a football to, to keep his job, you know. Just got word here, not that this is official word, but an, an estimate for Nikhil Harry is about six to eight weeks, which would more or less... I guess I don't know that. They could try to carry him. They they could bring him on if they really feel like he's heads and tails above the rest of the guys, put him on uh, Pup or whatever the case may be, miss a couple weeks. But anyways, that's it for uh, Green Bay Packers injury notes. The, the other thing that I thought was somewhat interesting that Matt LaFleur had mentioned, actually, let's do uh, let's do Matt LaFleur's press conference and then I'll get to one of the things that he mentioned. But um, talking about the offensive line, he, he kind of talked about how they were getting worked over in the family night event, but basically just in general. And when asked about that, he said, well, it's due to multiple things. Number one, the defensive line is certainly talented, but he also says there's a lot of technique issues and communication issues, and the offensive line is not where it needs to be, which sucks. And I think we kind of more or less knew that, that it's that combination. But um, for the head coach to come out and say, look, the offensive line is just not doing a good job right now, that's problematic. And, And, you know, part of the issue is this constant shuffling. We don't have a set offensive line right now. We don't have a set much of anything. John Runyon and Josh Myers are about it. Um, We've had Yash at left and right tackle. We've had Zach Tom at left and right tackle. We've had Royce at right guard and right tackle. We've had Jake Hansen at right guard. We've had Michael Bennett at left guard. We've had Cole Van Lannen at right tackle. So it's going to be tough for them to really take a significant step until they can finally officially solidify who the offensive line is going to be. Uh, there were a lot of questions about Jordan Love, so with multiple questions came multiple answers, but a couple of the notes that he had made, Matt LaFleur had made about Jordan Love, he says, Love is much more in rhythm, much more decisive. Um, he complimented his footwork, says he's not getting, his feet aren't getting stuck at the top of his drop, and he said all this is translated into his play. He's throwing much more accurately and making much more good decisions. He also says that Aaron Rodgers and uh, Tom Clements are important in his development, and Love also is is a big contributor by putting in all the work. He was asked if Love is having his best camp. He said, "Well, yeah, he he is, but it's also still very early. We still need to see him in in you know preseason games and more week more weeks, more camps, more days." Uh, he also went on to say, "Love is doing a great job of keeping his eyes downfield." When asked about the the play in which he made a completion with pressure in his face. Doing a good job keeping his eyes downfield. He's faced a lot of pressure. Um, asked about the two first-round picks, Walker and Wyatt. He says both are, you can see that both of them are athletic and they're making splash plays, but uh, there needs to be more consistency. And he says the inconsistency, though, is improving every single day. And they're looking for those two guys to both be big contributors this season. Um, talking about the tight end group saying that, you know, Tunyon is not going to be playing this preseason and Mercedes Lewis probably won't be getting many, if any snaps in the preseason. He says that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for these other guys, uh, because there is a pretty big competition there and that'll kind of help solidify some of those spots and give them the opportunity to be able to push for, for a starting job. He also mentioned safety as well as outside linebacker. And in both of those cases, he says they're fighting for jobs three, four, and five. I don't know if that's just kind of off the top of his head, just something you say, or if he's actually expecting five offensive linebackers and five safeties, I don't really know. I'm sure you can't officially know, but um, he threw out five for both positions. But in both cases said uh, it's still way too close to call. And you got to remember, it's, it's there's really just two big factors here. It's not necessarily just the best man wins. It's number one, can you do the job completely? Number two, can you contribute on special teams? 
I think if you've got one guy, let's just say on a scale out of 10, one guy is like a 6 out of 10 as a pass rusher. One guy is a 5 out of 10, but he's also a special teamer. I think you go with the 5 out of 10. So long as you're above that threshold of you know how to do your job. If you can't do the job, I don't care how good of a special teamer you are, you don't make the cut. You have to be able to do the job totally and completely. That's sort of been my note about running back as well. Again, Goodson, I think, has been the best running back in camp outside of the top two. But I don't know if he understands the offense. I don't know if he can handle the checks at the line from Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if he can block. I don't know if he can catch. So the fact that he's been the best running back in camp means almost nothing. That's one big check mark, but that's kind of useless if we don't have that other pile of information. Anyways, the other interesting note that I had seen that um, that Matt LaFleur had talked about, talking about conditioning and um, said that, you know, that that's a part of being a professional is you need to be taking advantage of what we provide to you to make sure that your body is in shape. And if you're not quite where you need to be, you need to be taking care of that off the field. And he mentioned, he didn't mention who, obviously, but he did say that there are some guys that are not where they need to be. And the training staff is monitoring them and trying to get them up to speed. But he also went on to say that you'll see those guys kind of putting in a little bit of extra work after training camp. Now, I didn't see any notes from the media people about who it is that stayed after and put in a little bit of extra work, but that will be something to keep an eye on going forward. Not that it necessarily has to be that way all the time, but um, that is something to keep an eye on potentially as if, if there's a, you know four or five guys staying after putting in some work after camp, those may be some of the guys who are maybe not quite in shape, which, you know maybe sounds like it doesn't matter because you can look at it and go, well, obviously they're going to get in shape. It's not a big deal. Yeah, but the big deal to me is where the head coach just said, that's part of being a professional, which is to say, if you are not where you need to be, you are not doing your job as a professional athlete. And that to me is a problem. For the head coach to call out a guy and, and basically say, you're not doing your job. You're not acting like a professional. You know, when, when we're just, you know, based on the, the podcast that I did yesterday, we're talking about taking this seriously about being a team that isn't just a good regular season team, but has a, a relentless mentality, not just, oh, I don't care, I'll figure it out come the regular season, not just in the regular season, and then I'm going to take my foot off the gas in the postseason, whatever that even means. I'm talking first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, beginning of the season, after the season, off season, relentless. And to be at training camp with all the facilities around you and dietitians and everybody else that is that is willing to do everything it takes to get you in tip-top shape, and they will take you as high as you're willing to go, so long as you're willing to put in the work, and you can't even get into game shape, it does concern me a little bit. And yeah, I am going to be paying attention to who it is that's staying after. Not that I can do anything about it, but I'm just curious who it is that the head coach said is unprofessional. Anyways, as for the individual notes, again, not a ton because there weren't really too many people doing anything, Um, but we got one note that says, it's only jog through speed, but wide receiver Jawan Winfrey just tracked a moon ball from Rodgers that Uh, got close to the Hudson Center roof and traveled at least 60 yards in the air and made a bending reach back over the shoulder catch, all hands, woo. (laughs) Uh, Jake Hansen getting some time at center with the ones. Uh, Again, a lot of shuffling going on with the offensive line. Hansen at center with the ones is not something we... In other words, I'm, I'm not worried about Josh Myers, but again, it just goes to constant shuffling, constant, you know, and, and really it just goes to I guess getting everybody the reps that they need for their evaluation and for the sake of the players as far as training and getting them ready, the continuity aspect, I have to assume, is going to take shape at some other point. Right now, it's about gathering information 
and uh, getting guys different reps at different positions. But at some point prior to week one, they're going to have to say, this is your job and just hammer it, especially first team, obviously. Find out who the first team is and they work together always. And and you're probably going to start to see you know, more and more first team reps and less and less second team and third team because it's becoming more about preparation and less about evaluation. But as for right now, that's clearly not the case. When you got Jake Hansen taking snaps away from Josh Myers and with 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 the ones, um, we're clearly still in evaluation period. Uh, Vernon Scott still with the ones with Savage uh, out, not a massive surprise. It it, it is still a competition. Um, obviously, this is just about the best safety. You know, it's it's like I said, there is an element of special teams which Vernon Scott does not have to my knowledge. However, the number one goal is that baseline. When a guy goes down, you can come in and be a safety. And for the number three safety job, that is the most important thing. So, you know, when you're the only answer, you know, we're not talking about the number four linebacker here or anything where, you know, if if Quay goes down, we've got the number three linebacker. And if that guy goes down, we not only have you to possibly be linebacker, but we've also, you know, we could just drop it back to our old school defense and, you know, bring in another safety as opposed to a linebacker. We, we have a lot of different options. If a safety goes down, we need a safety that can be a safety. So, you know, if, if again, if, if Vernon Scott is that seven and, um, you know, Dallin Levitt is that six with special teams, they, they might lean toward the seven. Because, and, and the other thing is we have other safety spots that we can bring on. We can still keep Levitt on the team to be that special teamer and, um, and safety if need be, or Sean Davis for that matter. Would they possibly keep five for that purpose? Because we want the two special teamers, but we also really want Vernon Scott. I don't know. But that that's the big takeaway I've got. Um, but it also puts Vernon Scott, I think, in a vulnerable situation. Because if if Sean Davis were to become more reliable than Vernon Scott or Dallin Levitt were to do that, I think Vernon Scott is 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 toast. But I think he's 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 long since established himself as the next best safety. And it's probably a pretty big drop off, but it's it's important, you know. And then the final note that I saw that some people are going to freak out about um, unnecessarily, it says, just got a nickel rep in walkthrough with Douglas on the outside and Jair in the slot. I still believe Douglas will be the primary nickel corner, but I think we will see Jair in specific matchups uh, inside, think Justin Jefferson, and on more obvious passing situations. Just to be clear, this was always the case. Um, in fact, not only was it always the case going forward, it was always the case last year or, or the year prior as well. Like I said, everybody does everything. You, you know, you can primarily be a you know defensive lineman that that is a nose tackle like Kenny Clark, and we can classify him as a nose tackle. But that doesn't mean he's not taking snaps at at sixteen different positions because he is. He's all over the place. He's a nose tackle. He's a three four defensive end. He's a four three defensive end. He's he plays uh, or, or three four defensive end, a four three defensive end. You know, pass rusher. It might not be very many snaps, but but he's all over the place. And so just to illustrate this point really quick, if you go back to the 2020 season and you look at Jair Alexander's reps, obviously he spent most of the time on the boundary, which is what I expect him to do again this year because he's your number one corner and that's what you do. But to be clear, how many games did Jair Alexander play on the boundary and not in the slot? Week 7, 9, 11, and 16, and that's it. Every other week, he also played in the slot. Weeks 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 8, 12, 13, 14, 15, 17, and then both games in the playoffs, he played in the slot. 
So yeah, he, he's going to move around much more than Stokes. Stokes doesn't go in the slot very often. He does, which again, seems impossible. Like he'll never go. In. No, he will. He, you know, there'll be a couple games where he'll, he'll get moved inside, whether that's because he's manned up and just has to go with this guy who goes into the slot or whatever the, the situation is, he's going to spend time there. But yeah, Jair is going to be that much more flexible guy. And there probably will be matchups. But just to be clear, again, um, Jair is primarily a boundary corner that always was also a slot corner. By the way, he was he played as a strong safety weeks 2, 3, 4, 8, 9, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17 in both playoff games. He played on at some level at linebacker basically those exact same weeks. It's, you know, your alignment will change. They even have him lifted as an outside linebacker in week 15. So don't overreact to it. He may be spending more time in the slot than in the past. That's entirely true. But Jair is, at least as far as I, I, I can imagine and have always assumed, he will be our number one lockdown boundary corner, and they're not going to stuff him in the slot. He will play there occasionally. And yeah, he's going to practice it once in a while because he's going to play it once in a while. Why wouldn't you practice it? Anyways, this feels like a good place to stop. I mean, take a break. We won't, we won't stop quite yet. We'll, we'll get there. But I, I do want to encourage you, if you would be ever so kind, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. We are on the road to 300. Try this for the second year in a row. Big, giant, massive shout out to Jacob Vanderweel. I'm taking a stab at it, man. I'm hoping I got close. But thank you so much for, uh, for your donation and for jumping in on Patreon. I know I need to do more with Patreon. I'm, I'm stretched so thin. Um, we will see how it goes with the Substack. <laughs> there has been such a uh, lack of a response there in terms of, of interest, and I'm, I'm putting in hours into these articles and whatnot. And um, honestly, the only reason I'm still doing it is because some people have paid, and I, and I want to honor them and what they've done for their payment. But um, that may be coming to an end sooner than later just because I, I, you know, I just can't, uh, can't be putting in that much time in addition to two podcasts and everything else. Um, if if people just don't want it, you know, it's not, I'm not mad about it. It's just, I'm, I'm trying to find out what people want and what people respond to. And, and that just isn't it. So that's fine. We'll figure it out. Packernet After Dark, on the other hand, didn't expect anything of that. And people seem to love it. So there you go. You never know. But um, I will try to focus a little bit more on Patreon. I, well, whatever. I, I won't necessarily try to hamstring myself with any particular plans, but something to think about. In fact, I'll probably just post it in the uh, Patreon, find out what you guys are interested in. Um, Actually, better people would be to, to ask would probably be people that aren't patrons yet. But what do you want? Let me know. Why don't we just take a break? Because I'm, I'm just wandering in my own thoughts. We'll take a break and we will officially be back soon or then later. Bye. See you in a minute. Have, have a good day and see you soon. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You and everyone else, I heard you guys talking earlier about fans yelling, when are you going to sign Odell's? So let's get to the Odell situation and where it stands. Obviously, he has continued to receive interest from several teams, contending teams. And the Bucks had some interest before they ended up signing Julio Jones, I would imagine. Teams that were interested previously, the Green Bay Packers still need a receiver. I would expect them to be interested. And, of course, the Los Angeles Rams, his old team, who have the head coach, Sean McVay, whose wedding he crashed, still have maintained interest. And the interesting thing here, Colleen, is we all, including me, I've made a million calls about this since really the entire offseason, we all want to know when is Odell going to sign or when is he going to sign, let's just say it ends up being with the Rams, when's he going to sign with the Rams? It's going to be interesting to see what his strategy here is, Tom, because he's still recovering from an ACL tear, not expected to be ready for at least the first half of the season, should be good to go around the second half so does it actually make sense for Odell Beckham Jr. to sign now does it make sense for him to get under contract with the team just know he's someplace or is it better for him to wait until I don't know let's say October or maybe even early November 
Maybe another contending team suddenly has a need, and there's Odell sitting there, and he can become basically what he was for the Rams last year. The strategy here is going to be fascinating to the to watch. I don't get the sense anything is imminent. So I, I can see you guys rolling your eyes, but I thought it would still be worthwhile to give an update on this. Odell Beckham is still out there. Probably would have been signed a long time ago if it weren't for the injury and the fact that he's going to be out half the season. The other factors being, as Brian Gutekunst and, and probably everybody else has laid out, teams want to see what they have. I think GMs and everything are optimistic about their guys or at least want to give their guys first crack. With that said, however, some teams are not going to necessarily like what they see. I think the biggest question is, and, and you know, Ian Rappaport is, is the other reason why I'm bringing this up is he's explicitly stating whether it's true or not, I don't know. But I, I have every reason to believe that Ian at least believes the information is true. And that is that the Green Bay Packers did have interest in Odell Beckham. Now, he obviously understands the difference between having interest and in, in making phone calls just for the heck of it. But again, maybe he was fed bad information. I don't know. I think the biggest issue I have is that I just don't see the Packers getting to the point where they think Odell's going to be a good decision. I know they like Lazard. Uh, Randall is going to be the slot guy. We know Romeo Dobbs is um, a factor here. Now, maybe he's not quite as good as we're making him out to be. Maybe it's not going to be that um, powerhouse kind of situation. But let me put it this way. One thing I think that has to happen is for them to determine that Sammy Watkins is not the solution and decide to let him go. That or Odell goes unsigned, as Ian said. Maybe they don't sign. He decides not to sign with anyone, and nobody decides to sign him until it gets closer to the time when he's looking to come back, and Sammy Watkins ends up getting injured. At which point, we have Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, and Christian Watson. From that point, we would have to be at a point where Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson are not good enough. Now, the, the other side of that is, you know, you don't have to say that Dobbs and Christian Watson are bad to also say that, hey, Odell is a guy that can kind of get you over the hump. He can be a special kind of player. So, I mean, it's it's so far, there, there's so many obstacles here and so many better teams. I mean, the Rams make much more sense because he was literally just with the Rams. He obviously wants to play with the Rams more than anybody else. So the Rams just need to pick up the phone and it's a done deal. He helped them win a Super Bowl, so there's got to be some level of mutual interest there. But then even look at teams like the Bears. Wouldn't it make infinitely more sense after what I just told you about Nikhil Harry and Byron Pringle and the fact that they don't have they don't have good options? Byron Pringle is a slot guy. So you're telling me best case scenario is what? Darnell Mooney and Nikhil Harry? You know what I mean? So I, I, I think there's a lot better options out there, although what's what the heck is the point of a one-year rental of Odell Beckham on a team that isn't even going to make the playoffs? I don't know. What I know is that the Green Bay Packers like to give their guys opportunities, unless your name is Amari Rodgers and, and Aaron Rodgers is pulling strings. But generally, outside of those situations, um, the Packers are going to want to give their guys the opportunity. And, and I think that they are willing to say, yeah, they're not exactly where they need to be, but we're going to do some trial by fire here. These are our guys, and Watson and Romeo and Lazard and Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb and Amari Rodgers are going to hold it down. And again, unless that is just a complete nightmare and it's just not working and you know, even with the tight ends, even with the running backs, even with the offensive line, the offense just isn't good enough and we need something more, which again, seems really unlikely that we come to that point for so many reasons, then okay, maybe. But I I just, I'm still to the point that I feel like it is a, you know, 1% chance. Anyways, I'm actually going to leave it at that. I was going to talk about one other thing, but I just got um, somebody to agree to do an interview tomorrow. 
So rather than kind of talk, giving half of that away today, uh, we're just going to save it. But um, tomorrow, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this much. We're going to talk a little bit about Romeo Dobbs. And we're going to have to cover training camp and all that, but that'll be one half of it. Um, I got somebody coming on to give us a little insight into Romeo Dobbs. So that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. But anyways, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.